message. It's harvest time. Let's see how far we get this morning. I'm going to reread some of our foundational passages, get us all back headed in the same direction together. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2 says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. God's just stirring my spirit as to how full the now moments are with Him in the hour that we're living in when the time of the end is upon us and the return of Christ is nearer, nearer, nearer than, we first, than when we first believed. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of the favor of God in and through our lives. John chapter 4, Jesus said, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. It's harvest time. The fields, which we know represent souls, those that are lost in their sin, they're ripe and ready to hear and to receive the salvation of the Lord. Jesus gave us the great the commission. Many of um, us in the church, we call it His great commissioning when He called us to go. Remember, last Sunday I said, after you've done the come, come, come unto me part, then it's time to go, go, go unto them. And, um, and, I, and that's what I hear God saying to us in my spirit so loudly coming into 2024. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, he's called us all. Uh, I love the clarity of that. See, you can read something like this and excuse it away by saying, well, that was the calling for the twelve. That was just for the twelve, not for us today. That's what Jesus wanted the twelve to do. Well, Mark's gospel clears it up. And he, Jesus, said to them, Mark 16, 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, he's not just speaking to the twelve. Speaking to whosoever will hear and heed that word. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he, he was taken up, uh, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And they all, and remember that crowd, other scriptures tell us was some 500 or so in that crowd he was speaking to. And they all went forth. And preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. And I, I, I've said this last Sunday, but it bears repeating. I never sense a stronger presence of God upon me than when I'm in a setting where I'm giving the gospel. Can anybody say amen to that? 
where you're in, because he said these signs will follow us. They'll follow us if we go into the fields of harvest with the gospel. I'm asking God to reveal habits, distractions, entanglements, traditions, and routines that we have believed had life in them, but they have no life in them. I'm also asking God to expose and and draw me away from anything and everything that distracts. You know what one of the greatest distractions is for those of us who are privileged and blessed enough to live in America? Comfort and convenience become great distractions in our lives. And then when the least thing happens to disrupt our comfort, we fall apart. When the least thing happens that is inconvenient, we, we fall apart. When COVID-19 broke out and we were having church out in the yard, which I just, I, I miss that. I love that church out in the yard out there. It was just a beautiful time. It was different. It was fresh. And God gave me a word, uh, a title of a message which came up in my spirit, Inconvenient Christianity. It's not going to continue to be convenient for us to practice our faith and to serve God. It's not going to continue to be much longer comfortable either for us to practice our faith and serve the Lord. Let us not be distracted when things get uncomfortable. Let us not be distracted nor discouraged when things become inconvenient. The practicing of our faith, it's going to become more inconvenient in America to practice your faith. Romans 1.16, Paul says this, just listen, it just says, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. You know what? These distractions, these entanglements, these compromises, these routines that are, and or bad habits they tend to cause us to feel shame that we belong to Jesus. They tend to cause us to want to pull back, hide. I'll never forget, I had a relative many, many, many years ago, a relative in my family, a saved relative, said to me, I don't know the setting of our conversation, but obviously we were talking about something to do with ministry, with the kingdom. And this relative said to me, I, I just really believe that, you know, a person's faith is very private. So you, don't have the, you don't have the right faith then. Because when that light comes upon us, that light has to shine to others. My faith is not private. It's not inward. It's to be shared with others. We face every day. Every day we face things that present themselves to us as urgent but they're not urgent at all. Many of us allow the, the urgency of the moment to control our lives every single day. And most of the time, what the devil has told you is urgent is not urgent at all. So many things that we believe matter, and they don't matter at all. So many people you believe matter, and they don't matter at all. They're just used to distract you and to entangle you 
so many other things competing to be the one thing that truly matters in our lives. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, gives it to us in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know Christ and to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Paul knew the one thing that truly mattered above all else. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And my friend, when you forget the one thing, you're going to be distracted by all kinds of things that you, the devil will tell you are urgent, by all kinds of situations that he say are really, that really matter when they don't matter at all and they merely cause you to feel shame that you belong to Jesus, to feel shame uh, about your testimony. Oh God, by your spirit, help us to get the one thing right that truly matters in this hour, and that is that the gospel of Jesus Christ shine through us, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who will believe. Hallelujah. If today is the day of the salvation of the Lord, and we just read that, then Lord, my cry is I want to see the salvation of the Lord somewhere today. I want to see your salvation. Man, I start every day with that. Lord, I want to see your, show me your salvation somewhere. Take me somewhere. Send me somewhere where I can see the salvation of God through my life. Enough with living that revolves around the lusts of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now, be careful that when you hear the word lust, it means a whole lot more than just something sexual. Anything you're desiring above desiring God. Lust of the eyes. Oh, I want that. No, the newer one, the nicer one, the better one, the shinier one. The, bit. the lust of the flesh. I, I, I got to get promoted. I, I've got to expand. I, I've got to improve my sir. I've got to have greater influence. I want a greater, bigger reputation. The pride of life things. Don't allow your life to revolve around that because all of that is temporary. Temporary things. If you can't see what's happening around the world right now, ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to remove the blinders from your eyes. My friend, the spirit of the Antichrist is drawing clear lines in the sand as never before between who is forgiven and who is unforgiven, between what is holy and what is not holy. And I believe I hear the devil asking the church in America this question, okay, now, now, after all that you see me doing, now who is still on the Lord's side among you? As laws continue to pass, criminalizing free speech, criminalizing 
free expression, public prayer, public worship, criminalizing parental rights, legalizing almost, at least it's becoming, it seems like too many in America are are accepting anti-Semitism like never before. Hate the Jews no matter what. Kill the Jews, destroy them no matter what. And so on and on and on it goes. I can hear the devil asking the church in America, so now, in light of all of that, who's still on the Lord's side? Are you still on the Lord's side? Do you still want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection in the midst of all of this this, uh, 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 darkness and terror, if you will? Do you still want to know Christ and the participation of His sufferings becoming like Him in death? Do you still want to know Him? Are you still on the Lord's side? I know you just buried your mother, but do you still want to know Christ? I know you just buried your husband, but do you still want to know Him and the power of His sufferings and the power of His resurrection? Yes, your son, your daughter is in the hospital. You just lost your job, but do you still want to know Christ? You just went through a divorce, but do you still want to know Him? You just had a car accident, but do you still want to know Him? You have a child that won't even speak to you, but do you still want to know Christ and the participation of His sufferings in this this hour because the devil is asking us do you still want to know him do you still want to know him let the apostle paul speak to that right here that is why i'm suffering as i am and my friend that's why we're suffering as we are because we want to know christ we want to be identified with him We're not suffering because we're in sin. We're suffering because we're serving God. We're hated because they hated Him. We're a target because Jesus was a target. And He said, beware, woe to you. If you live your life in such a way that you want everybody to love you, you're in trouble, my friend. Woe to you when everybody says wonderful things about you. We're not living for the accolades of men. Paul said, that's why I'm suffering the way that I am suffering. Yet this is no cause for shame. No cause for shame. Mm, No cause for shame. Well, I just had a divorce. I just lost my job. What's the sign of somebody dealing with shame usually? You know, they won't make eye contact. They're, They're just, they're just like, look, they won't make eye contact with you. They hold their head down. No cause for shame. The suffering you're going through is no cause for shame. The Apostle Paul makes it clear because, and how, how, why did he say it's no cause for shame? That last part in this verse is 2 Timothy 1.12. I know you're not seeing it on the screen, but you're listening. Because I know him whom I have believed in, and I am convinced that he is able to guard that that I've entrusted unto him until that day. What day? Until the day I see him face to face. So yes, devil, I am still on the Lord's side. I'm not, I'm not throwing in the towel nor hanging my head in shame because of the things I've been suffering. Lift up your head. Lift up your eyes. Oh, church, our redemption is nearer than ever before. 
through all the fiery darts, the fiery trials, the sufferings and the losses, through all the passings and the deaths, even for us as a church having so many of our saints pass on so close together. We are being prepared, church, for a greater glory that is about to be revealed. We're being prepared for a greater glory. Now, let's see. That was the introduction. About ten minutes left. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about three distractions that we all face, and I believe we face them every day. I'm going to say these three things are, well, no, they're not on the surface, on the surface of these, two of the three. They're not sinful, but they quickly can become sinful. Did you know the Bible tells us we have three enemies? All of these are our enemies in some way or another, not just one. My friend, you don't just, the, the devil's not the only enemy we have. It's not the only enemy you and I have because according to Scripture, we have three. I'm going to look at them real quick. We, the world, the flesh, and then the devil. Three enemies at war against us. 1 John 2 verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. These words are strong, and I'm asking God by His Spirit to give us deep and greater revelation than we've ever had before. Because let me tell you something, when you are distracted, burdened down, and and you feel shame, you will not focus on the harvest. Your focus is inward, it's all about your own problems, your own stuff, your own issues. That's why we have to cast every care upon him. He had, God, God, Jesus had an ulterior motive in inviting us to come and lay our burdens down because he knew that had to happen so that we could then be sent unburdened and sent in boldness to be light to a dark world. Sent. If you will make God's business your business, he will make your business his business. I can't say that enough. If you'll be about the Father's business in this hour, which is harvest souls. I'm not willing, he's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Then he'll make your business his business. For after all, he knows what you need even before you ask. For everything in the world, verse 16, 1 John 2, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life that I just referred to, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. I'm going to emphasize that a little more and say they all burn up. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. And one more verse, and there's so many, I'm giving you the short version. One more verse from James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people. Now don't get offended when God says, you adulterous people. Because adultery is just betrayal of your first love. Spiritual adultery. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, 
anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, you know what? I'm not going to stand up here and even pretend to tell you this is what it means to be a friend of the world. Oh, I could tell you what I think that means for me. But the Holy Spirit has to show each and every one of us if you want him to. Holy Spirit, how am I being a friend to the world? How am I loving the things of the world more than I love you? Because it's not just that God's heart is broken when we love the world and we love the things of the world and we're friends with the world. You set yourself up as the enemy of God. Wow. And my friend, I don't know. I don't know where everybody is today, but I know one thing. I don't ever want to do anything that puts me at enmity or makes me an enemy of God. I can't imagine. The world is your enemy, not your friend. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if you are friends with the world, the systems of the world, the entertainments of the world, entanglements of the world. Ask God, ask Holy Spirit to show you if you are a friend of the world. And then the second enemy we have is the flesh. Did you know that? Your own flesh is out to destroy you. Your own flesh. I mean, you read Romans, we don't have time to do all that today. The Apostle Paul himself, and I, I, you know, it's the flesh and the spirit at war with one another, and he's even saying, I don't know why I keep doing things I don't even want to do because of the, the, the passion of the flesh wanting its way. The flesh is trying to destroy each one of us. Romans 13, verse 12, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.24 And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Stop trying to negotiate with your flesh. The flesh has to be crucified. And the Apostle Paul said, you know, uh, yeah, I'm so glad on the road to Damascus when Jesus, a bright light shined and knocked me down to the ground and I heard the voice of Jesus speak to me and he, he redeemed me. I am so glad that he killed my flesh that day. <laughs> no. Paul says, I die daily to the flesh. Daily. Because the flesh wakes up with you every morning. Good morning. All chipper, trying to see where the flesh can trip you up in some way. Paul said, I have to die every single day to the flesh. The flesh is still sub subject to the fallen nature of humanity. The flesh. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and dwell in your flesh. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in your spirit when you are redeemed. 
The flesh never will completely die. That's why we have to kill the flesh every day. The flesh is like this big zombie that just, you know, you, he gets up again, you know, for the, the next day. You got to kill him every single time. Do not be deceived, Paul says, Galatians 6, verse 7. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Holy Spirit, help us, help me every day to sow to the Spirit and not to the flesh. Sowing to the flesh is death. Sowing to the Spirit is life eternal. God is not mocked. I mean, even looking all around at the things that are happening and how the arrogance of man is off the charts, it's off the scale, the arrogance of, of, of leaders around the world as they snub their nose at God, as they allow unholy and, and uh, 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 anti-faith and anti-God laws to be passed and ordinances and codes and, 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 and decrees to be made. My friend, not one of them is getting away with one thing because there will come a judgment day when each and every one of us will give an account as to what we did in this life. God is not mocked. Now, He doesn't hold people, everybody to account in this life. Oh, that He would instead of the afterlife because over there it's too late. He can humiliate you in this life trying to redeem you one more time. I mean, I'm so glad. Have you ever heard about this? I'm so glad God gave me a second chance. Thank God for second chances. Are you kidding? I thank God for 1,732 chances to get it right. And counting. That's the compassion of God Towards us, yes, but towards all of the world, to, towards all of humanity. He's not out to destroy, he's out to redeem. He wants to save, he's not willing that any perish. The flesh is your enemy. Do not sow to the flesh. And then finally, the devil. Yes, that's the most obvious enemy that we have, of course. He's the one that roams around like a roaring lion, Scripture says, seeking someone to devour. He's the one that comes like a thief to steal, kill, and destroy by any means necessary. Because with Satan, don't ever, don't ever confuse this, with Satan, the end justifies all of his means. And that is to destroy you. Submit yourselves to God, James chapter 4, verse 7. How do we deal with a defeat? Now remember, he is a defeated enemy. He's, he was defeated at the cross. Death, hell, and the grave, all the power stripped from him at the cross. Every sin, every lie, every accusation. Colossians, Paul writes in Colossians, says, nailed to the cross. God humiliated him openly for the whole world, before the whole world, and stripped him of any authority. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Wow. <laughs> come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Submit yourselves then to God. Man, there are so many ways to do that. Ways, you know, breaking bad habits, forming new habits. Because uh, the, the saying is true, we truly are creatures of habit. Don't confuse uh, weakness with a bad habit. His grace covers our weaknesses, but he's looking to me and you through the power of the Holy Spirit to change bad habits into good ones or to just have bad habits die and be removed from our lives altogether. The blood covers and washes away our sin. His strength is made perfect in weakness, and that is not talking about sin. I mean, some people, they, they're sinning, they're sinning, they're sinning, and they're quoting that word. Oh, I'm so glad that God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. I'm so glad His grace is sufficient anyway. You've been deceived if you believe that. God's strength does not cover sin. Only the blood of Jesus can wash sins away. But yes, His strength helps us in our weakness, in our sufferings, in our shortcomings. His grace His strength is made perfect. That's not talking about sin. There's one remedy for sin. We bring it to the cross and we ask for Jesus to wash it away in His blood. So God exposed to us traditions that have no life in them. Routines that need to just die that have no life in them. Exposed to me bad habits. This is all, I think, in the process of submitting to God each and every day. And my friend, if you don't want God to show you, don't you dare ask Him. Lord, show me, do I have a tradition? Do I have a a, a bad habit? Do I have a compromise, an entanglement, a besetting sin that, that, that Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews talks about? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, everything that hinders, And the sin that so easily entangles us. Wait a minute. Everything that hinders. Hmm. Those things you think are urgent and they're not urgent. They're just hindering you. Those things that you think matter, they don't matter at all. They're just hindering you. They're holding you back. Now, I think a distinction is made here that those things are not sins because he says everything that hinders and the sin. That so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh Lord, help us today. Holy Spirit, show us. Let us throw off and throw aside and lay aside everything. Notice he doesn't say, let us consider... Those things that might be hindering us. Let us meditate upon. Let us make a list. Strong word here. Throw it off. Cast it away from you. Throw it off, everything that hinders. Don't try to negotiate. Don't try to make peace with with the flesh either. Throw off, crucify the deeds of the flesh. Sow unto the Spirit. Throw off anything and everything that hinders, as well as if there is sin there. That's all sin does is entangle you. And my friend, I believe that the laborers are few in the harvest today, but so because so many of the people of God are entangled by things and sins that merely distract them from the harvest. 
business things and relationship things and kid things and educational things and financial insurance matters and stuff that's just entangling you, hindering you, distracting you so you don't even see that each day is the day of the salvation of the Lord for somebody. You don't even see that. Because you're so, your life is just full of entanglements, distractions, compromises. Maybe, and again, maybe some of those are comforts and Oh, you know what? I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll move heaven, hell, and earth, and all that combined. If our, if some, if something disrupts my comfort, are you kidding? Let the air conditioner break, and you've got. Let the hot water go down, and you. All of a sudden, that's urgent. Folks, listen, let not these comforts and conveniences become entanglements. Rather, thank God for the security we have so far in America. Thank God for the blessing that we have. Yes, thank Him for air conditioning and hot water. I'm not, I'm not saying you should not use them. Thank God for them, but don't let them use you. Don't let them entangle you, these conveniences and blessings. Man, the level of blessing you have is to be a blessing to others. The, 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 the gratitude of living and functioning and doing life in America has to be so that we can be a blessing to others, both in America and, and, and the nations of the earth, through our missions and giving that we do. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us run with perseverance. You know, I, I, I'll use this example in closing to... The, the book of Acts ends with a situation where Paul's on a ship <clears throat> and he's being taken to Rome. And, you know, there's a lot of stops along the way. And they come into a storm on that ship. And if you know anything about, you know, old maritime shipping back hundreds and hundreds of years ago, thousands even, when a ship would come upon a storm... They would do anything and everything they could to lighten the load. And you can read it there at the end of the book of Acts. So they began to throw um, the weapons overboard, no. Uh, the prisoners overboard, no. They began to throw the food, the grain, the wine. Wait a minute, that stuff's not evil. That's good stuff. They had to throw some good things overboard in order to make it safely to the other side. And so ask the Holy Spirit to show you in your own life the difference between good things and God things. Good things, some might need to be thrown overboard, so that the God things stay with you and get you safely to the other side. Can we stand together? Heavenly Father, by your Spirit, Lord, I'm declaring this church is a harvest church. It's harvest time. I'm declaring we will see the salvation of the Lord in and through our lives, in our services, and oh God, the, the salva salvation... Wow, go home later and look it up in the Greek. Salvation 
is so much more than just the forgiveness of sins. And salvation is everything about living a victorious Christian life. It's all wrapped up in the salvation of God for us. Blessing, increase, promotion, healing, peace, joy, strength, etc. All wrapped up in your salvation. And Lord, we want to see the fullness of your salvation in our midst, in our lives, through our lives, to every single person we love. Because the time is running out. Lord, it's no more time to soft talk people and sweet talk people. It's no more time for us to walk around as children of God with our heads hanging down because the devil has tried to put shame on us and accuse us and tell us because you're suffering, God is not with you. Because you're going through some stuff. Because you ain't got it all together. God has left you. He's moved on to somebody else. We all know who the accuser is. And we resist him. We submit to you and resist the devil, and he will, not maybe, not might, not could, not should. He will, your promise says. He will flee away from us. Hallelujah. He will flee away. Thank you, Lord. Because we got to be about the harvest. We got to be about the harvest. We got to be about the harvest. But we're not going to get entangled with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Expose entanglements to us. I want to invite you to come. Come on, let's, you know what we're doing? It's going to be every Sunday. Every Sunday through Jesus comes. This altar is open. I believe the fire of God is burning around these altars, burning out all this stuff, these entanglements, these compromises, everything that hinders so that the God things, Lord, we want to get rid of good things, the good things that don't matter, the good things that aren't urgent, so the God things come up within us. Holy Spirit, Remove every entanglement. Expose it to us. Expose us uh, to every bad habit we might have that needs to be broken, oh God, that we might form holy habits and holy traditions. Because, Father, there's not one thing wrong with traditions. If they're holy, if they're holy traditions, there's not one thing wrong with that. But don't let any earthly, sinful, fleshly, worldly entanglement love of the world or anything in the world, friendship with the world or anything in the world because that makes us your enemy, Father. And I know there's not anybody in this room today that wants to believe they are the enemy of God. So Holy Spirit exposed where we've got entanglements, friendships, loyalties that are misplaced. Loyalties that are misplaced expectations that are misplaced so that we might only have God things in our lives that we might be free to be about the Father's business free to be about the harvest in this hour oh you're so easy to worship you're so easy to praise and we end this service today worshiping you bowing down, bringing our stuff to the altar and laying it down. Lord, we end this service inviting Holy Ghost and fire once again. Inviting Holy Ghost and fire once again to fall upon us. Hallelujah. You're so I lift my hands and sing out your praise. I live my song to you for all of my days. I love your voice. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, we want to hear you, Lord. For 
so easy to pray you're so easy to worship you're so easy to pray I leave you with the challenge view every day as the day of the salvation of the Lord for somebody and be about the Father's business and watch how he'll get in all of your business work it out a whole lot better than you can. Amen. God bless you, church. If you want